The Gophers absolutely crush Colorado. We're talking about it today, where we went right, where we went wrong. The best graded players from last week's matchup. That's coming up on Locked On Golden Gophers. You are Locked On Golden Gophers. No matter what we're going to do here, we're just going to keep rowing. Your daily podcast on the Minnesota Uh, Golden Gophers. Whatever turns out, we're just going to keep rowing. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We're just going to keep rowing, keep rowing, and keep rowing. Hey, you're listening to Locked On Golden Gophers, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Kane Robb, host of the podcast, former collegiate football video coordinator and recruiting assistant here to talk Golden Gophers with you each and every day of the week, Monday through Friday. That's right, five shows a week, so be sure to subscribe on YouTube where we're building a community, we're getting lots of feedback that I truly appreciate, and we're getting upgrades. We're going to be having more of a face on camera so you don't have to worry about me looking at notes on the computer. We're going to get some signed jerseys hung up in the office. We're going to get a lot more just taking that next step. And then on top of that, I've got some more graphics and things like that coming to the podcast on YouTube to give you more information, more entertainment value, but that's all coming in due time. We're making those in progress. We're making those improvements. So just stick with me and be sure to subscribe on YouTube. Otherwise, find us wherever you get your podcast. This is a show where we always continue to row. And today we are rowing and talking about last weekend's matchup versus the Colorado Buffs. So let's jump in. The Gophers overall started the game out hot on both offense and defense. The very first drive of the game, the Gophers had seven plays for 75 yards and a touchdown. Then the very first play on defense, Terrell Smith, tee time, flies off the edge on the corner blitz, sacks the quarterback, forces a fumble, and Jalen Logan Redding recovers it. The Gophers get the ball back immediately and score another touchdown, two touchdowns within the first few minutes of the game. And that just set the tone, that set the pace for what turned out to be a huge routing of the Colorado Buffs, where the Gophers won 49-7. to Now, overall, this Gophers team is just very impressive. We held them to under 100 yards within th- through three quarters of this game. And the defense came to play. The defense, it's what we have been talking about. They are one of the best defenses in the entire nation. I don't care about people talking about, oh, well, they haven't really played anybody. Well, we're about to play somebody this weekend, so we can prove it there as well. But regardless of who you're playing, the good teams win handily versus teams that aren't in the same class as them. And that's what the Gophers have done this season that we're not used to Gophers doing. We're not used to the Gophers running up the score, winning by more than 10, maybe 17 points against teams that aren't the same caliber. But this time, we put it on display each and every game of this non-conference schedule. We won 38-0. We won uh, 49 to 7, like we just said, and then we won 62 to 10. So I'm sick of the excuses. I'm sick of the whining. We won, our score differential was 149 
to 17 over the course of these three games. The Gophers did what it took against a bad schedule, and they should be in those rankings, but they're still not there. We still don't have the respect. Hopefully going into Michigan State will change that, but let's jump back into the recap for today. First, we are going to talk about Tanner Morgan, the quarterback for the Gophers, 11 for 16 overall, which was a 69% completion percentage. He had 157 pass yards, three passing touchdowns, and one interception. Now we'll get back to that interception in due time, but overall, Tanner was impressive throughout most of the game. There were a couple missed looks, a deep shot to Michael Brown-Stevens that he could have taken but kind of got stuck on his first read a little bit too long. Then when he moves to the second read, by the time he gets to Michael Brown-Stevens, he just absolutely missed the opportunity. But overall, Tanner looked efficient. He looked strong. Again, after three games, he's still in the top three for PFF-graded quarterbacks in the nation. So, Gopher fans, it's time to keep supporting QB1. It's time to get on board with the full support because Tanner Morgan has been impressive, to say the least, over these three games, back with Kirk Shiraka, and hopefully that will continue to trend in the right direction. Now, going moving over to the running side of the ball, we have Mo Ibrahim, who was an absolute stud, who ran 23 attempts for 202 yards and three touchdowns. He also tied the program record with Daryl Thompson for the most rushing touchdowns in program history with 40. Now, he's probably going to break that in this next game, hopefully, fingers crossed, but he also set a new program record this past game when he went over 200 yards for the fourth time in his career, and he is the only gopher to do that in the history of the program. So enjoy what you're seeing, folks. It is history in the making with Mo Ibrahim, and it is something special to be witnessed. So really enjoy this. He's back fully from injury. He's showing the entire league, the entire nation, what is up when it comes to him as one of the best running backs in the country. Then you move over to Trey Potts. Had a little bit of struggles of this game. Not not terribly, but just didn't find as much openings as we've seen in the other two games. He was 13 attempts for 51 yards. But overall, Trey Potts is a great running back behind Mo Ibrahim. He's better than a lot of the starters within the rest of the country and within some of the other Big Ten programs as well. To have him as a relief back, as a number two back to Mo Ibrahim is still something special and gives us one of the strongest running back rooms in the country. Then you move over to our third string guy, Bryce Williams, who was very efficient. He has great vision, folks. He has great vision. He's great at cutting and finding the open hole and getting through it. Now, he doesn't have the same contact balance. He doesn't have the same uh, yards after contact that we see for Mo that just makes Mo that that's something special. But his vision is very good and somewhat comparable to Mo's when it comes to finding the right hole and making the move to it. So overall, Bryce Williams had Four attempts for 58 yards and a touchdown, and that was real nice to see, real nice work from him. I'm actually a little bit surprised he didn't get more work, but that is because he is important to this team, and you don't want him to go down. You don't want to see anybody go down, but then you wrap up the entire room. The room as a whole put up 334 rushing yards, the best for the Gophers so far this season. So we're still getting it done on the ground. We're still doing great things on the ground, but we also saw success through the air in this game. 
Then you move over to the right wide receiver room. Now, Chris Ottman Bell suffered an injury in this game, and we will get into those details soon. But overall, he did have a good game prior to that with three receptions for 58 yards and a touchdown. Our number one receiver, and we're going to have to figure out how to replace that production after the injury. Now, the nice thing is we did see Dalen Wright get some connection with Tanner Morgan in this game. Two receptions for 31 yards and a touchdown. Brevin Spanford, three receptions for 34 yards. And then you had uh, Clay Geary, who had a very impressive touchdown. He only had one reception for eight yards and a touchdown, but that touchdown was super impressive. Nearly in the corner of the end zone, toe tapping, toe drag swag, got into the end zone for the score, and it was impressive. It was something that you don't see from a guy like Clay Geary, but you're seeing all the work he has put in to be whatever this Gophers team needs him to be. Then you have Daniel Jackson, who returned to action. Action Jackson, finally back on the field. Happy to see that. He had two receptions for 26 yards and will look to continue to get involved as we move forward. And then lastly, you had Lameki Brockington, who had one reception for nine yards, and you look for him to step up continually as that Ottman Bell injury has happened. Now you flip to the defensive side of ball. Defensive side of ball gave up 227 total yards. <clears throat> now what we were hoping for when we talked about it on the podcast was under 200, under 200. And they didn't pass 200 until the very last play of the game. They were at 199, and then they threw a pass and completed it for 28 yards, got to 227. So a little bit of stroke of luck there, a little bit of you know garbage time production there. Overall, through three quarters, they only had 91 total yards. Then we put our twos and our threes in there, and they ended up finishing with 227. So a lot of production during the time where our number ones and our top twos were not even in the game anymore. So nothing to stress about there. Uh, Overall, on third down, we made a huge statement, as we have in the other two games. We've been one of the best teams in the nation when it comes to completing third downs on offense and when it comes to stuffing third downs on defense. And that continued in this game where the Buffs went 1-for-12 on third down and the Gophers went 13 of 15 on third downs so we continue to win that situational football and doing that and continuing to do that will keep this team as an elite elite defense and a heavily productive offense if you keep doing that it is going to be very tough to stop this Gophers defense now on the flip side on fourth down we struggled a little bit They were 4 of 5, most of that again coming in the 4th quarter against the 2s and 3s, and then the Minnesota team was 0 for 1. Red zone, they were 1 for 1, we were 5 for 5, but here's where it comes in. Passing completion, defense held them to 42% completion, which is terrible, and actually most of the game, they were in the 20s and 30s for the majority of the game. Again, a lot of the production in the 4th quarter. 4 point yards per carry, um... It's all right. It's all right for rushing 4.0, but overall, nothing crazy. And again, a lot of that uptick coming in the fourth quarter. So it's hard to dive in on these and be like, oh, 4.0, that's too many yards given up. Most of the game, it was at like 1.3, 1.9. So don't worry too much about any of that. Now we had three sacks, nine PBUs, and a turnover, which was a fumble. We forced two fumbles, only recovered one. But this defense was flying around. They were elite. They were something special. And it was great. It was a great routing. 
of a Power 5 school, and now we move on to one of our most difficult games of the season, playing against Michigan State in East Lansing. So we're going to talk about what went right in this game, what went wrong, and how we will look to kind of improve as we head into next week. But first, let's talk about our friends over at Bet Online, where the game starts. They're giving you the latest trends in action when it comes to sports, wagering, information, all the updated lines. I checked out the lines yesterday for the game in Michigan State, and the Gophers were favored by one and a half points. That is already moved, and the Gophers are favored by two points, so it's something to keep you up to date when it comes to the Gophers versus Michigan State. You want to get the best numbers? You want to get the best odds? Keep checking back there. But you might want to get it out right now before it keeps moving. If I would have got, if you could have got in one and a half last night, that is better than the two, even though it's a one difference of a point. But that one or half point of a difference, but that could make a huge difference. So check out all the latest numbers, odds, wagering information, money lines, props, you name it, over at Bet Online, where the game starts. <clears throat> All right, so we're going to jump into where we went right, where we went wrong, versus the Colorado Buffs this week. But thank you so much for making Lockdown Golden Gophers your first listen when it comes to Gophers Daily Sports. Uh, we got five shows for you a week, folks, so be sure to follow wherever you get your podcasts at Lockdown Golden Gophers and subscribe on YouTube. I appreciate the feedback you've been giving. I appreciate the conversations you've been having. I appreciate if you want to talk about certain topics, drop them down below, but I appreciate it all, and we're going to keep this show going for you. Now, where we went wrong this week, we're going to start with the negatives first, the first being injury. We talked about last week on the podcast that some of the keys to victory and moving forward with success in this game was coming out 100% healthy, and that did not happen. In fact, we took a major injury that could be very, very impactful for the Gophers moving forward. Now, Chris Bell had a leg injury. It looked not great. It looked pretty tough overall, and we likely have lost him for a good chunk if not for the rest of the season. Um, Overall, I've heard that it might be multiple ligaments in his leg. Now, we're still going to find out more information on that, and we'll keep you up to date. But it is a major impact for our offense. His connection with Tanner is something special, and it helps thrive in the rest of the passing game because when they start to focus on him, then they focus less on the others, like Spanford, like... Uh, Dalen Wright, like Michael Brown Stevens, then those guys are able to thrive as well. So it, him losing Chris Hopman Bell is a huge impact. We have a lot of depth at most positions, but it will still be many players that need to step up and fill in for the loss of this one player. So that was a tough blow. That was the biggest where we went wrong this weekend. But a second one was the interception uh from the past two span forward and you know it's not something that's huge it's not something that's something to stress about or worry about but it was a slight blemish in the game and I believe it was on both the both Tanner Morgan and Brevin Sanford they both had faults on that play and it's nothing to stress about it's nothing to worry about but don't put all the blame on Morgan saying oh if you gave him a better pass we wouldn't have to worry about it because yes it was slightly behind him but that happens. And as a rule, as a pass catcher, you can ask, 
anybody who's played the receiver or tight end position ever at any level, high school, college, or the pros, if you get your hands on the ball, your expectation is to grab it. And even if you ask Brevin Span Ford, I bet you he would take the full blame for it. And he would be like, you know what, hit my hands, it doesn't matter, I should have came down with the ball. Tristan sometimes texts me during the game and I'll be like, ooh, that was a tough one. He's like, hey, it hit him in the hands, he's got to catch it. So like, they would both own up to could have been better on that play and so I'm not too worried about it overall you shouldn't be either and you shouldn't be putting blame on either of the players let's just move forward next play mentality which is what happened in this game Brevin went on to have multiple more catches in this game and Tanner went on to have a 69% completion rate and be efficient with the ball not dwelling on that error and coming back and putting up three touchdowns so Overall, you love to see that bounce back, so I wouldn't worry too much about that one. And then the final, where we went wrong, wasn't even us. It wasn't even on us. It was the fact that Michigan State lost in a big loss versus Washington, and they fell completely out of the rankings. They went from 11 in the AP poll to not ranked. And this is the jump that the Gophers wanted. This is the tone we wanted to set. We wanted to walk into this game, hopefully come out with a win, and then see the bounce that... Washington just saw where they went from not ranked to 18th in the nation. That is exactly the type of jump, the type of bounce, the type of leap we were looking to make heading into East Lansing and hopefully walking out with a victory. Unfortunately, this drop in the rankings, this boost that we were hoping for might not be as impactful if we do get the W this weekend. Now, it will still be the best competition we've played. It will still be hopefully enough to get us into the rankings if we can win this game but it's not the same the prestige of the win isn't this it isn't as big when it's no longer a ranked team now that's a little foolish and it still should be but you know the respect that the Gophers get from the media it's nothing to stress about too much but it is a little annoying so I'm sure many people will be like well that team wasn't ranked so they don't necessarily need to be in the top and that's why we were hoping that we'd head into this game with them still ranked with a chance to put the world on notice. And another thing is it's honestly pretty disrespectful to Michigan State who went from 11 to not ranked due to losing to a not ranked school. But Utah was number seven and lost to a not ranked Florida and they only fell to like 12. So if I was Michigan State, I'd be a little ticked. I'd be disrespected a little bit and it seems a little extreme and dramatic to have that big of a drop but it happened so regardless it's a new week we're looking to go 1-0 in the week and beat Michigan State in East Lansing now where we went wrong or where we went right sorry where we went right in this game is we ate them up on the ground absolutely destroyed them in the run game that is what we had talked about last week was going to be a big case for us in this Buffs game was the ground game, and we saw it happen. Mo Ibrahim took over 23 attempts, 202 yards, and three touchdowns, and he never looked back. Overall, the team had 334 rushing yards, and it just shows the strength of this team continues to be in the ground game. Now, we might have a more difficult time moving forward into Michigan State because they have a much much better run defense. In fact, they've been one of the better teams in run defense over the course of the season this year, and they were last year as well, but their passing defense is terrible. So we might see a lot more passing 
for the Gophers next week in East Lansing. And it shows that the strength, again, is our run game, but a positive is that Mo's carry count has been relatively low. He's only been playing about a half a game because he hasn't needed to be out there. So he should be fresh, still ready to keep chugging if he has to put the team on his back in the next game, although I do believe we'll see a lot more passing. Now, the defense was looking elite, fast, competitive, consistent, and it was special. That was where we went right in this game as well, and this defense flies around the field. They forced two fumbles. They could have had two to three interceptions if they wouldn't have dropped them or you know, just slightly missed the opportunity, and then the defense's recovery speed is unreal. There was one play that stood out to me where quarterback Brennan Lewis uh, couldn't find anything. It was basically like a coverage sack. But then he rolls out to the right, and I'm like, oh, man, he might get the first down here because it was like everybody was moving to the left of the field, so he booted out to the right. And I was like, he might get this first down. And it was like third and eight, third and nine. Two Gophers players flew to him as soon as they saw him make his way out to the right, and he only ended up with like a four-yard gain. We forced fourth down and got them to punt the ball. But the recovery speed, I absolutely thought, oh, they're going to get a first down here shut down by not one but two gophers making the tackle in the open field that is the speed that it's just something special to see we've talked about the speed but it's put on on notice every game and it is always impressive now the third and final point of where we went right in this game was getting the dalen wright tanner morgan connection at least started jump started and going it was special to see there were only a few brief moments a few catches but we saw the flashes we saw the trust shown on the field and both catches were great moments especially the touchdown in the corner of the end zone with the toe tap where he threw up a jump ball for Dalen Wright and trusted his guy and then Dalen Wright went up and made it he made the play and it was huge because it also came a few plays after the crab injury that really deflated the team and it put a little bit of wind back in our sails and helped us revive jump back up and keep moving forward so you love to see that connection start because we're going to need it moving forward especially next week where the passing game will probably be a huge key point for the gophers now we're going to wrap this episode up with the top performers of the pff grades for offense and defense and also the bottom performers we're going to talk about them coming up next All right, so we're going to close off again with the top performers of PFF with the grades that they give out. And, you know, overall, we're doing this segment because the listeners have have requested it. And I enjoy talking about it. So let's kick it off with the offense first. We're doing the top five on both sides of the ball, then the bottom three on both sides of the ball. Number one was Tanner Morgan with a 91.2 grade. Again, a great grade overall with PFF, and he is still one of the best quarterbacks in the nation for their grading system. He was 11 for 16, which was 69% completion with 157 yards, three touchdowns, one interception. Then you have Mo Ibrahim, who came in at the second highest graded player on the team with an 89.7 on 33 snaps. He had 23 attempts for 202 yards and three touchdowns. The third highest player on offense 
was Brevin Spanford with an 83.1. He had 54 snaps overall, three receptions for 34 yards. But the best thing in his grading was his run blocking grade, which was an 81.4. You love to see the great run blocking from the tight end that hasn't been known to be that effective in the run blocking earlier in his career. You've seen the work put in. You've seen the grind put in. It's something he'll need to do to continue to thrive at the next level, and you're seeing it on 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 blast, live and in color with these games, so you love it. Chris Amon Bell came in as the fourth highest offensive rated player, 82.9 for his grade, 34 snaps, three receptions, 58 yards, and a touchdown, and it's going to be tough to replace that production after the injury. The fifth player on the offense that had the fifth highest grade was Quinn Carroll with a 78.1. He was great on both sides of the ball when it came to blocking, but or not both sides of the ball, but both aspects of the of the game on offense. Pass blocking, he had a 66.3. Run blocking, he had a 76.3. So you like to see both of those above a 65, which is great. It's great, especially because typically you'll see one aspect higher for an offensive lineman and one sometimes drastically lower, and he keeps these relatively in the good grades in both areas. So you love to see it. Now defense, we'll move over to defense. The top five, first was Mariano Surimarin, who was an 86.5, the third highest of all the Gophers, but he did it across the board. 84.4 in run defense, 82.4 in tackling, 74.2 in coverage. He was all around. He's a great linebacker in all aspects, and he put that on on display in this Gophers game. Uh, again, the third highest Gopher overall in the entire week behind Tanner Morgan and Mo Ibrahim. The second player on defense was Tyler Newbin, 77.5 on 37 snaps. He had a 72.3 run defensive grade, a 78.3 tackle grade, and a 76.7 or 76.8 coverage grade. Uh, he showed up all over the field, and it might not show in the box score, but he was out there making a difference, and he was deflating. His plays were deflating to Colorado's offense, and he could have had nearly three pass breakups. He was only credited with one, but he was right there as the ball would go and be within the grasp of a receiver. He would make contact with the receiver, and it was perfect timing. It would break up the play, but it didn't give him a necessary pass breakup so overall he was truly impressive not something to just look at the box score with number three on defense was tea time terrell smith he had a 75.2 and he was great in man coverage with a 76.8 but his pass rush was a 87.9 he changed the mood the energy the flow of the game from the jump he was the player that came on a corner blitz sacked the quarterback forced the fumble and started this thing off right And then you have the number four player on defense was Devin Eastern with a 70.4 on 20 snaps. Now, he showed up with a higher grade last week as well, but he didn't make our our show list because we have that 15 snaps minimum that I'm looking for before I bring these guys up into the top five. Now, last week he was close, but he wasn't there, but he still had one of the better grades. And then he shows up with more snaps even so. So you love to see that. And he's a player that... He's a name to keep an eye on as he moves forward, looking for more opportunities this year, but especially a name to watch grow for next year, where he'll likely be a huge key on the defense. Then the fifth player on defense was Jalen Logan Redding, 69.3 grade, 21 snaps, had a great or a great fumble recovery, 
off of that tee time sack, and it really helped jumpstart the entire defense. Now, I just wanted to mention Austin Booker and Ja Joyner, who were the second and third highest graded players on the defense, but just didn't make that 15 snap minimum. So I at least wanted to give them a shout out as well. Now, we're going to close the show with the lowest PFF grades. Don't freak out too much about the grades, but just something to know as we move forward. So Mike Brown-Stevens, 53.4, was the worst grade for the offense of star, or offensive players. 55 snaps with no receptions, had a great post route run um, that he could have had a huge play on, but Tanner Morgan got stuck on his first read looking to the left a little bit too long. Then he moves to his second read, which is over near his first read, whereas Michael Brown-Stevens was making his way across the center of the field on a post route where he lost the defender behind him. But Tanner just got stuck on the first two reads a little bit too long and wasn't able to connect on that play or even see him and attempt it on the play. Um, Overall, Mike Brown-Stevens just wasn't really used and in the game as much as we have been seeing him in these first two. So that is why you see a lower grade here. Then you have number two, Ariante Ursary with a 54.1, 63 snaps. Now, he did good in the pass blocking game with a 77.2, but the run blocking game was a 50.1. Now, he has always been stronger in that pass blocking game each and every week when it comes to the grading for PFF, so that's no surprise there. But the run game was a little bit lower than we're used to seeing him, so that affected his overall game. A bit more in this game and then the third one was John Michael Schmitz with a 57.0 on 58 snaps now I'm not sure I buy this I'm not sure that this is legit and if you know anything about the PFF grades they give you the initial grades and then they have other play or other scouts other analysts also watch it back and give grades and so you can see some leaps and some some dips throughout the week of what these grades look like and I think you're going to see John Michael Schmidt's grade raise more and more throughout this week as others get their eyes on it. They gave him an 80.8 in the pass blocking which is great but they gave him a 54.7 in the run blocking which I don't understand at all because watching that game John Michael Schmidt was creating massive holes for Mo Ibrahim to run up the middle so I definitely think that will adjust and it was surprising to see so don't buy it all when it comes to these PFF grades fully. Now, on the defensive side, you had Coleman Bryson with a 43.0, Darius Green with a 51.5. Those were your top two low grades in the PFF, and it likely came due to the fourth quarter and how much yardage we gave up when those two were the safety pairings in the back end. So you had 91 yards in the at the end of the third quarter, and they finished with 227 total yards, a lot of yardage given up in that fourth quarter, and that is likely why these two grades are so low, especially for the tackling for Coleman Bryson, where he was given a 29.2. He did miss uh, some tackles that others came through. He made the contact to slow him down, made impact so his teammates could get there, but he couldn't finish the tackles by himself. Now, he's still a great talent as a freshman, and he's learning on the fly, so I wouldn't freak out too much about these grades. And then the final grade, the th- number three for the defense, was Justin Wally with a 55.5. Uh, they gave him a 29.3 in the tackle grade. Again, I think Justin Wally is in a similar space to John Michael Schmitz, where we'll see this grade rise a bit as others get eyes on it, but nothing to stress too much about. Overall, it was a great showing for the Gophers, beating Colorado in an effective way, and now we're looking towards Michigan. 
That's going to do it for us on Lockdown Golden Gophers today. Tomorrow, we're going to talk about the keys to the Gophers' victory in Michigan State, what we got to do, what we have to stress out, and then we have to get the key matchups in there for you and players on each side of the ball to keep an eye on. Then the next day, we're going to talk with Locked On Spartans, do a crossover episode there, and you can learn more about the Spartans and their team, their players, their style from an analyst themselves over at Locked On Spartans. So we'll do that. So be sure to tune in. Be sure to subscribe. I appreciate you. Row the boat. Skyima. Go Gophers.